Hello, welcome to The Quest. This is Alan Mulhern. The last podcast, Season 2, Episode 85, examined the Judaic and ancient Egyptian account of the origin of consciousness, the struggle between good and evil, and the roots of malevolence in the human psyche. All civilization, prior to our own, thought mythically on these topics. We are the first to attempt to explain these things scientifically. However, on these fundamental questions, scientific consciousness is inadequate because, in a nutshell, analytic cognitive intelligence cannot grasp the greater whole as long as it thinks it is the master and not the servant of the greater psyche. The podcast before that, Season 2, Episode 84, explains the philosophy of the unity of creation and destruction as a cosmic principle that underpins life on Earth and our consciousness. Evil is presented as the active and radical attack on the good and life-giving, much as it is actually in Manichaean Gnostic philosophy. This may be called the Satanic. The Luciferic, on the other hand, is the movement into consciousness, which is both a liberation from entrapment in the unconscious and at the same time a breaking of the original wholeness. It is the origin of our sense of alienation. The very birth of our consciousness, therefore, is both creative and destructive, liberating but also a death. Animal intelligence is also a platform for our own intelligence. Much of human psychology has its distant origin in our animal past. It is through ego consciousness that an elaborated, magnified and sometimes distorted expression of mankind's animal appetites occurs. Thus, positive and negative aspects of this inheritance are evident in our psyche and human nature. The possibilities for the emergence of human negativity are also the consequence of our considerable emotional vulnerability, the result of our consciousness, which in the perinatal and infant stages has an extremely fragile and delicate ego. Early emotional wounds cause damage to the emerging sense of self and produce defences to protect from further pain. The final part of episode 84 describes the shadow, to use a Jungian term, resulting from a split in the psyche, an inevitable consequence of the movement into consciousness. In the two podcasts before that, episodes 82 and 83, I examined the Tibetan and Buddhist ideas on the darkness in the human psyche, specifically in the form of ignorance, anger and lust, but also the light that is in human consciousness. This was preceded in season 2, episode 81, with a further exploration of the Taoist text The Secret of the Golden Flower, which describes in an extraordinary manner how to access this light through the meditation process. No matter what the crisis of the collective, the individual has the opportunity of realising the inner light that lies in us all. In podcast season 2, episodes 73 to 80, I give an extensive commentary on Carl Jung's Answer to Job, in which he takes the radical position that good and evil must both be located in the God image 
although our tendency is inevitably to split them apart. It is the fate of certain individuals, such as Jung himself, but also of Job as described in the Old Testament, to experience them as the dual nature of God. More of this in later episodes. For this episode, I thought we could further look at the positive in the human psyche. First of all, morals. Moral insight and moral behaviour, I suggest, have three sources inside of us. Firstly, the development of our reason. Secondly, the emergence of empathic emotional interconnection and ultimately to feel what another feels. And thirdly, the ability to contact the inner light within our psyche, which is, among other things, a moral guiding force. But while moral understanding and behaviour need an inner disposition within the psyche for them to emerge in the first place, they are subsequently very much formed and shaped by socialising factors, for example by family systems, church, society, the institutions of state, law, propaganda, media and so forth. The immediate precursors of human consciousness lie in our animal and hominid past, which deeply influence our human psychology. However, its later development demonstrates extraordinary features of self-awareness, morals, aesthetics, a search for meaning and even transcendental hunger. The eventual emergence of human consciousness out of its evolutionary past has been a miraculous yet problematic result. Consciousness is both material and immaterial. Part of it is readily explained as the struggle for survival in a competitive environment, a materialist explanation. However, other higher parts of our consciousness have another dimension entirely. The development of human consciousness is the alchemy of evolution. Human nature, in my view, is the integrated but at the same time conflicting combination of six parts of our development. Animal inheritance, emotional structure, conscious ego intelligence, the unconscious, higher consciousness and what the Jungians called the self. These have evolved over millions of years and many of them are a unity of conflicting parts. Despite their conflict, there is also a transformational intelligence in the self, big S, within the psyche of mankind, which is capable of creating harmony within itself, diminishing repression and malevolence. You may refer to podcasts, season 2, episode 66, as well as to my book called The Sower and the Seed, for a more detailed explanation of these six components. You will readily observe that while an evolutionary perspective is part of the story, the main philosophy or metaphysics guiding the presentation is non-materialist, as explained in episode 65. The universe is designed for life. See Martin Rees's book called Six Numbers. There is an underlying archetypal and ultimately unfathomable template that underlies the cosmos, all its life, and the emergence of consciousness. See the basic concepts of Buddhism and also the archetypal theory of Carl Gustav Jung. Using our latest paradigm, perhaps this underlying template is even quantum in nature. See David Bohm, Wholeness and the Implicate Order. 
Following the spirit of Terre de Chardin and Sri Aurobindo, evolution might be thought of as creation in the long run. I now give a summary of the six components of human nature. The first is our animal inheritance, which provides the foundation blocks of our rational intellect, for example basic number and word recognition, and our foundation of social intelligence. There are also darker sides to our nature, which are developments from animal inheritance, such as our aggressive, predatory, sexual and killing instincts. Secondly, emotional structure. As the primate brain expanded, evolving through the hominids, eventually reaching the size and complexity of Homo sapiens, then a far greater and more differentiated emotional structure developed. Thirdly, ego consciousness, which is the combination of a rational intelligence plus a distinct personality. It evolves as a stabilising force between the great opposites of negative and positive experiences of mankind's early psyche. The larger brain had to have a master coordinator to allow it to function effectively, to reconcile its very different parts, to focus and plan in order to augment the chances of the survival of individuals and the species. Ego consciousness is the integration of multiple brain functions so that a version of reality, quote-unquote, both subjective and objective, can exist. It coordinates the greatly increased frontal cortex of Homo sapiens and its links to the rest of the brain. It creates time, space and causality, as Immanuel Kant has so clearly shown thus bringing our experience into conscious existence, making the outside world appear objective, giving us a sense of reality, which is a construct of our consciousness. The ego separates the individual from the world and amazingly provides our subjective sense of identity, that is, the centre of personality. It implies the emergence of self-awareness in a creature separated from the world that can eventually examine its motives, explore its emotions, reflect upon its very thinking and express itself in various symbolic forms such as art, music but especially language. It co-evolves with the awareness of death and love. As self-awareness develops in early humans, they become acutely aware of death, both of their own and those they are close to. Some of the first archaeological evidence we have of Homo sapiens are burial practices with symbolic objects at around 100,000 years ago, which may well indicate the emergence of love to attempt to compensate for the anguish of death. That is, I suggest, an attempt to overcome death with the immortal, to transcend division and separation with a symbolic union. The ego is also the tool for repression of parts of the psyche, such as strong emotions, so that thinking or focused concentration can take place. It is also a vehicle of meaning in a world 
which possessed no conscious expression up to this time, or very little. Homo sapiens is the problematic embodiment of meaning and awareness in an animal. Much of personality is therefore unconscious, but the ego becomes its centre, since personality is where the unconscious meets the outside world, and the ego is its subjective centre. Fourthly, the repressed unconscious. In later stages of the rapid flowering of human consciousness, say from 40,000, 20,000, right up to the birth of modern civilizations 10,000 years ago. As Homo sapiens builds civilization, the psyche undergoes a split between consciousness, centered upon ego and personality, and the unconscious, which is that part of the psyche now repressed. As civilization develops, this repression increases, as Freud noted. Layers of the collective unconscious underlie the platform upon which consciousness is erected through the development of civilization by the means of political, social and economic development. There are layers of the collective unconscious that are like archaeological strata underneath the topsoil of civilization. Fifthly, the higher self. Amazingly, there is evidence of care of the sick in early hominids and Neanderthals at around 500,000 years ago, half a million years ago. That is long before the emergence of Homo sapiens, who for many recent decades was dated at emerging at around 200,000 years ago. But very recently, that date's been pushed speculatively perhaps, but more and more firmly beyond the 200,000 back to 300,000 years ago or thereabouts. For hundreds of thousands of years after Homo sapiens' emergence, we have little evidence of any higher accomplishments. However, from 100,000 years ago, as already mentioned, there is the first evidence of burial with flowers inside graves, that is, intentional burial with symbolic objects, which, as I've suggested, is the anguish of death which our ancient ancestors felt. And this is met by love, a desire for the deathless and non-separated state. This, I suggest, is the beginning of spirituality and religion. But it is from 40,000 years ago that we have the first decisive artistic expression in the famous Paleolithic cave paintings in modern-day Spain and France, and also the artistic objects found in southern Germany. Higher consciousness consists of those components of the human psyche, apparently superfluous to our physical survival, that demonstrate extraordinary aspects of our psyche, such as its capacity for art, literature, music and spiritual expression. It is linked to centres of the psyche that have unusual powers, such as those of illumination and intuition. The higher self is a force within human beings that compels some people to give up the dominance of their personality, put aside their ego interests and aim for something higher constituting a conviction that the transcendent exists and humans can achieve it. The most frequent reason for such extraordinary efforts is an inner drive to articulate personal suffering, overcome the fragmentation of conscious existence 
and undergo the eternal journey of transformation. The higher self leads to the conviction that the transcendent exists not only outside but within us also. It relativizes the ego self, the appetites of our animal inheritance, and leads to our true and higher centre. Higher consciousness, which I've also referred to as the higher self, in evolutionary terms, comes into existence as a reaction to the alienation experienced by the psyche as a result of the birth of the ego. Ego intelligence, individualised consciousness and personality, break the previous wholeness of the psyche, which fragments and splits into different components, producing an alienated and repressed being. The fall from the Garden of Eden, mythically, in Genesis. At the same time, it, ego intelligence, becomes traumatically aware of death. The self, the inner archetype of order and healing, pushes for the repair of this split and division and anxiety and encourages closer contact with the higher self, higher consciousness. His intention is to replace ego aims and personality interests, the old self, with the newly emerging self which heals the wounds of its own division. That is the division within the psyche to heal those wounds. There is a healing force within the psyche to heal its very own wounds. If that sounds incredible, just think of the healing forces in the body to heal traumas, wounds and diseases within the body itself. It's the same principle. The higher self replaces or modifies the dominance of consciousness, now traumatised by death awareness. The archetype of the self lies in the unconscious, but insofar as it rises into consciousness and becomes expressed and experienced, it transforms into the higher self or higher consciousness. At the centre of the human psyche is then this self, big S, the central archetype of order, a directive and healing function, orchestrating the development of personality. Just as in the body there is a orchestrating principle of the development of genes and cells and also repairing and healing functions there are essential to this. There is an ordering principle therefore, a natural healing intelligence, a guiding centre in the unconscious that can be contacted by many means including dreams or simply by truly listening to oneself. The task of the mature ego is to adapt to this inner centre. This alignment to the deep centre is necessary for the individuation process in Jungian psychology. The natural healing intelligence of the psyche is capable of repairing emotional damage and exists at all levels of the psyche, for example in meditative awareness, within the emotional or personal unconscious and also in the deep psyche. The Hindu refer to such centres as chakras. For those of you who would like to read more on this, you may refer to my book called Healing Intelligence. We may therefore classify the self, big S, as the sixth component of human nature, since it pervades the whole psyche from top to bottom, determining its development and growth. It arises out of a natural biological intelligence, 
and is a natural, core, integrative intelligence transcending individual or separate components of the psyche. The ego may think it is master in its own house, but this is an illusion. Dreams, for example, are created by the self, which constructs highly compact, richly symbolic narratives full of personal meaning that are at first scarcely comprehensible to ego consciousness. A crucial aspect is that they have a personal moral dimension, not of law or religion, but of psychological and spiritual growth of the individual. It's not a collective morality given from the outside, but rather individual self-discoverable morality. There is an autonomous part of the human psyche which guides and is aware of, balances, compensates for and gives messages concerning any malformation of the individual, including its moral formation. These messages, these dreams, are often witty, condensed, multi-layered and only truly accessible when the analytic consciousness is switched off and a looser, intuitive, symbolic and feeling-orientated consciousness takes over. This is the psychological and spiritual growth process that guides human beings through development, conflict and towards higher development. The world's religions, myths and fairy tales, an enormous amount of drama, poetry, literature, music and artistic expression are vehicles of symbolic communication for this development of the self, the evolved essence of Homo sapiens. At the same time as the emergence of death awareness, the higher self is then triggered into existence and this is closely related to love. Our higher self has many attributes such as higher intuition, illumination, revelation, music, art, poetry and advanced forms of symbolic thought which are revolutionary in evolution. I have suggested that Homo sapiens developed higher awareness, for example aesthetics, by around 40,000 years ago. The cave paintings referred to show a deep immersion in the world of animals, but also a differentiation from the world of nature, since now human beings could depict them on the Paleolithic cave walls. The ability to illustrate evocatively, artistically and accurately a bison or a reindeer with a few etched lines upon a mammoth tusk, reindeer bone or rugged wall, is a remarkable symbolic communication and evidence for the development of abstract thinking, aesthetic sensibility and high-level skill by early Homo sapiens. Here we suppose that symbolic thought did originate in the same mental mechanisms that exist in primates, but it is a vast leap to the symbolic thought in Homo sapiens. The existence of the higher self in humans, I suggest, is a result of the inherent spirit in the cosmos, the anima mundi, an intelligence in nature and evolution. It cannot be really explained by a materialist view of evolution, for it has little, if any, survival value. It is grace, primal spirit, embodied in matter. Human beings, despite a separated, fallen state, have been convinced that they are also higher beings above all other creatures, made in the divine image, 
and capable of participating again in the primal unity with this divinity. They perceive they have a moral dimension, a capacity for reason, and can raise themselves above carnal instincts, that they have a soul and even long to transcend death. Also importantly is their sense of shame. After indulging of sexual and aggressive animal instincts, the human has the capacity to reflect and feel ashamed and sorrowful. At the centre of our vastly expanded intelligence is a revolutionary capacity for self-awareness, which includes that of deep centres of the psyche, which are the core self. Our self-awareness is convinced of its universality at the same moment as we become aware of death. The higher self gives rise to the existence of principles above narrow self-interest and selfish calculation. It is the evolved master of consciousness, its highest expression. It is the inherent creativity of the human species, its capacity for love, wisdom and the transcendent. Here is an extract from a poem, The Higher Self, taken from The Sower and the Seed. There is still hope for humankind, rich gifts we took from Eden. You have a heart, you have a soul, these lie outside your reason. They are above your appetite, beyond desire and fear. Face your darkness, see the light, a voice within you'll hear. Beyond the tree of knowledge, another tree does lie whose roots go deep in earth's dark soil, its branches reach the sky. Enlightenment is promised, let light within your soul. You will become as gods, he said, transcendence is our goal.